0: Welcome to the Nerd Party.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland.
0: And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla, and we're back this week starting the final Twilight book, Breaking Dawn. And today we're discussing the first half, chapters 1 through 18, or parts 1 and 2 as the book divides it.
1: Yep, and for anyone who's new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network we're best friends and we're reading and rereading young adult literature from our adolescence and we're sharing these books with each other so we alternate between series that one of us has read and the other hasn't and we're currently on Asia's turn to reread a series
0: Yes, I've read Twilight before, and this is Charles' first time. This format is fun because you get to hear from one person who is reading for the first time and one person who is rereading, which is me this time. And the newbie, Charles, always gives a quick summary of the reading in case you couldn't read along.
1: Yep, and we start the story, or the book, from Bella's perspective in part one. This section follows Bella through her wedding with and then leaving with Edward on their honeymoon. They're having a good time. And they do end up trying to have sex, as per Bella and Edward's agreement. And they quite quickly realize that Bella is in fact pregnant and her pregnancy is much more rapid than a regular pregnancy. Then the story takes over from Jacob's point of view in part two, as the wolves decide that they have to attack the Cullens and kill Bella so that they can kill the unborn fetus thing, whatever it is, unclear what it is, because they're not sure if it's safe. Jacob defects from Sam's pack and Seth and Leah also defect and they join Jacob and as he forms his own pack and they decide to protect the Cullens and Bella. Tensions continue to rise as Bella's pregnancy gets increasingly more dire and in the final chapter Bella does give birth to Renesmee and Jacob imprints upon the baby and that's where we finished so I can get my impression of the reading really quickly, and that was that I was really predisposed to not like this reading because I didn't want to read anything from Jacob's perspective. You guys know if you listen to the podcast that we're not huge Jacob fans here, so I was really not looking forward to that. And it started off worse than I even thought, but it did get better and it totally drew me in by the end. Like I didn't even mind Jacob as a narrator by the last half of the reading. So I was totally hooked, and I completely understand, like, the cult phenomenon of this series, because I wanted to keep reading so badly. Like, again, if you listen to the podcast, you know I will bash the prose constantly. But I do think that a mark of a good book, not the only one, but a mark of a good book is that you can't put it down, and I really, really couldn't put this down. So, you know, kudos to Stephanie Meyer for that. I really can't wait to keep reading.
0: Yeah, I really enjoy the first part, especially with the wedding and the honeymoon and lots of romantic stuff going on. And I also do like that part of the movie. I'm looking forward to us being able to watch it. But it did take me forever to get through Jacob's part during this reading. And obviously, as you mentioned, we do hate Jacob. So it is hard to read from his point of view. But then also, I think I've just read this so many times, and then this section particularly in particular gets a little bit repetitive, so it's kind of hard to read, especially when this is like probably my sixth or seventh time reading through it. So it was just hard to muscle through, but we got through it.
1: Yeah, I totally feel that. I definitely felt like it was repetitive, and I think that my next time reading the Twilight series, I'll probably be a little like... wanting to get over it because it kind of is just like every single day jacob is mopey jacob sees bella bella's not doing that well and jacob is sad and he has a fight with leah and seth and that just goes on for a week and it's yeah like there, yeah, like for me as again if you listen to the podcast you know that i love harry potter i read the books once a year at least and though there are some sections like in the fourth book when harry and ron are fighting After Harry's name comes out of the goblet, I'm like, I gotta muscle through this section, but I hate it every time. So we all have those. But diving back into Twilight, we have Renee being totally fine with the wedding, which was a really pleasant and well-reasoned surprise. She's like, Bella, you never make rash decisions. You're not me. And it was really sweet. I actually really liked that conversation. And then that brings us to the wedding, and... I thought it was really funny that Bella is so worried about falling down the aisle. Like, that was such a a human thing. I mean, we know Bella's clumsy, but that's a... Like, that's a realistic fear, even if you're not clumsy, with the amount of fabric she was going to be trailing. So I thought that was a sweet moment. Do you have anything you want to say about the wedding, Asia?
0: I just want to say, from the movie, Bella actually walking down the aisle is one of my favorite scenes in, like, the entire series. It's so, like, cute and romantic. So I really... The book is okay because it's different when you actually get to see the visual of it. But I'm I'm just excited for us to watch the movies because you can, like, s- see the wedding, like, actually put into reality.
1: Next week, as soon as we finish reading and cut – and I guess we should probably record our Breaking Dawn Part 2 episode first. And then we can watch. But I'm yeah. really excited, too. I also need to mention that I really love Seth and Edward's bromance. I think it's really sweet that they've developed that since the second half of Eclipse. And I also really like that when Tanya's crew shows up, Edward's like, let me introduce you to my wife. And then he's like, my Bella. Like, he's so over the moon to have a real wedding. And it was really cute. And, of course, it had to get ruined by Jacob, who's surprised. Asia, you start because I got really, really mad at this section.
0: Yeah, of course. Jacob shows up at the wedding, which at first is kind of like a surprise because, you know, Bella wanted him to be her best man. But Bella ends up mentioning that her and Edward are planning on having a real honeymoon. And Jacob gets so furious that he actually kind of hurts Bella by grabbing her too hard, like around her arms. And I'm just like, Jacob, I know you feel like so possessive over Bella, but like she can do whatever she wants. And even if this could possibly hurt her or kill her, like that's not your business at all. Like she does not belong to you. She's not your property.
1: Yeah, I was, I mean, I was mad at Jacob, but I was like, this is kind of to be expected of Jacob at this point, to ruin everything. And then Bella, of course, takes it the wrong way. And she's like, I turned his gift into a disaster. And I was like, that's almost insane, Bella. His gift is showing up. And you saying, I'm going to have a honeymoon with my husband makes him get violent. Like, the fact that she blames it, on herself like that's one of those this is and we talk about bella's behavior a lot and there's like her like not realizing her own self-worth but this is like this part was particularly annoying to me because that is beyond insane like that's ridiculous yes because you we've already discussed she doesn't owe she doesn't owe jacob any feelings but, like, that sort of stuff was, like, that's fic- that, that felt really fictitious. I mean, obviously, it's fiction. Like, they're vampires and werewolves. But, like, that was beyond the pale of, like, a personality trait. Like, that was just, like, how would she get to that conclusion? <laughs> like, I she literally, I, I quoted it, turned his gift into a disaster. He showed up at the wedding because he was invited. That's not a gift. And it's not a disaster if he got violent. Like.
0: <laughs> well, it's not, it's not a, dis- it's. A disaster, but it's not a disaster because of her. It's a disaster because of him.
1: Okay, well, you know, yeah. Um, Did he give her (laughs) anything nice? No. That wasn't a gift. He was invited. When you get invited to a wedding, you're expected to show up. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. What do you mean? It it made me really mad. But they go on their honeymoon, and you were totally right, Asia. So the description of the sex was less than tepid. Like, I finished reading the first night. And I was like, so did they have sex or not? Like, it didn't even say that they did. (laughs) Like, it took like three paragraphs in when she's like, we fit together that I was like, oh, they did have sex. I had no idea. (laughs) And, you know, I had a little, so I don't know how to describe this, but Bella's having a great time, but she's not aware of the fact that they're breaking stuff. Like, she must be really, really, really in the moment or they must be having, like, the most crazy, crazy, crazy sex. Like, I feel like Edward could, like, I feel like they could just do something a little slower. Like, I don't... Personally, I just feel like if he's worried about hurting her, like, they don't have to go for all of their urges right away. But I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, yeah, I think it was an idea if she was kind of just lost in the moment, I guess. But also, I mean, she even describes, like how she has the bruises on her arms from Edward grabbing her too hard. And, like, that is could be just, like, you know, the mixture of pain and pleasure. And in the moment, you don't realize that it's hurting so bad that, like, it's going to leave a bruise. But as far as, like, for when he, what, like, bites the pillow and then I think he, like, breaks the bed frame, like, another day. Like, honestly, like, that's – could just be Bella, like, maybe – If anything, not necessarily that she doesn't remember it, but maybe she just didn't think it was that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Because she's just happy that they're together, whereas Edward's like, I could have hurt you. Like, I'm destroying things. And she's like, who cares? Like, I'm living my best life. I'm, you know, living out all my hormonal dreams. (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah. And then Bella's a really terrible communicator. She's like, I don't know how to tell him that I'm okay. I was like, maybe you should start with saying, Hey, Edward, I'm okay. I had a great time, and I love you more than before. Like, she didn't say that. She Edward's like, oh, my God, I hurt you. And she's like, why doesn't he understand? She's thinking to herself, she's like, why doesn't he understand? I'm so mad. I'm like, Bella, start with I'm okay. Like, she didn't even start with what she felt.
0: But she knows that Edward's not going to believe her if she's just like, I'm okay, I'm fine, because she's constantly... Lying about how she feels like to protect his feelings like he's not gonna believe her So I think she's trying to at first at least Try to think of a more creative way to kind of reassure him that she's really Okay, because I mean you see she tells him that like It was the best night of her life or whatever and he's still like i'm not touching you again (laughs) because I don't want to hurt you
1: Yeah, I just was like bella you need to think yeah she just she's looking for a better way to explain it but like she needs to find it because she Like, she didn't even try to vocalize how she felt. She was just like, I can't explain, like, that I'm happy. And I was like, well, start with saying I'm happy and go from there. But whatever. And then we really start to get signs that she's pregnant. Like, I figured it out right before she did. So when she cooked the chicken and she's like, it tasted weird, even though it wasn't expired. I was like, oh, she's pregnant. And then I immediately thought, oh, she's eating a bunch of eggs. And, oh, she's having a lot of baby dreams. And, oh, she's having strange hormonal swings. And then Bella figures it out, like, three pages after I did. And we find out that the baby is growing far too quickly. Like, she has a bump after a week.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and also just – I just was thinking about this, reading it, that – because Bella, like, you know, I think a couple – like, maybe a week in, like, right before she kind of finds out that she's pregnant, she's telling Edward, like, maybe we can just live at Dartmouth. Like, I'll go to school. And Edward's like, wow, you know, the key to you staying human longer was sex. Like, that was it. That's all you needed. And she's well, human
1: experiences.
0: But that specifically. And yes,
1: that one specifically. Because
0: <laughs> she's like, I could live like this for a few more years. And so the only reason that Bella doesn't do all that is because ultimately she gets pregnant and she, now she's having this hybrid vampire baby so i just thought that was interesting of like if that wouldn't have happened what their story would have ended up as
1: i don't feel like she would have followed through though because edward because edward was i mean maybe if edward had like relented and been willing to you know to have sex with her but But he
0: did like they started he does he they does do they multiple try times. it again and they break the bed and that's when she's like yeah. i could stay human if this is what it's going to be like for a little while you know what i mean
1: yeah, I just kind of felt a little out of character for Bella. I mean, the bargaining, very much in character. But, like, when she's like, uh, 19, 20, 21, it doesn't really matter. I was like, Bella, you've been monomaniacal about being transformed as soon as possible. But,
0: like, you, but it, it's kind of just, like, a funny but, I mean, it's the power of her
1: sexual awakening. Yeah, they're, like, the power like, of
0: your hormones of, like, yeah, I could wait a little bit longer. Also, too, because she does say, like, oh, like, you know, obviously Charlie would be really excited for her to go to Dartmouth and, like, be able to do that. Like, because also she is is sad about, like, possibly, you know, losing her family by becoming a vampire. So it's kind of like letting it extend to be a little bit longer. So I could see it. It would just be, like, how long would that last?
1: Yeah. We – well, we'll never know because Bella gets pregnant. And (laughs) Edward and Carlisle really want to remove the baby because they're concerned that it will hurt Bella. They obviously don't know what it's going to – be. Bella wants to keep it. And looming over all of this is something that neither of them have thought about and it was an anecdote from the way beginning.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask if you had noticed this because it's very, very important. But we do learn that the original like mother of the Denali clan up in Alaska, they she made an illegal baby vampire, which is literally like a toddler turned into a vampire. And that's why... They don't have a mom anymore because the mom was executed by the Volturi because all baby vampires were outlawed because basically they can't be taught. So like they are a risk for exposing the secret. And we hear that anecdote like right before the wedding.
1: Yeah. And I flagged that down because I was wondering how the Volturi are going to feel about this hybrid child. We don't know yet what Renesmee's development is going to be like. We know, obviously we know she's some level of, vampire because she drinks blood, but also, like, she's probably some level of human because, you know, she's half human. But we don't know how the Volturi are going to feel, so I feel like that probably will get factored in in part three. So the Volturi don't like it, the wolves don't like it. And how about that as a segue to part two for Jacob? No reaction. I write these scripts for you guys, and... I think, wow, Volturi don't like it. Wolves don't like it. Segway to Jacob. No reaction from Asia.
0: <laughs> Hopefully the listeners are applauding you, but pretty good segue, I guess. Maybe a, yeah, you a five, out out
1: you, <laughs> 5 out of 10. Yeah, you can't fix this <laughs> now. 5 out of 10.
0: That's 50%. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and dive into part two. We find out that Paul has imprinted on Jacob's sister, Rachel, who's Uh, come home from college for the summer and quill tells us a bit more about the sensation of imprinting and quill talks about how he doesn't see other girls faces anymore and this to me just once again points to what would he do if claire when she gets older eventually rejects him like is he gonna kill himself stalk her forever it just really seems like with this whole imprinting thing that like in the end the girl wouldn't really have a choice And like this, at the very end of this section too, when Jacob imprints on Renezme, like how he talks about all the, he talks about like balloon strings, all the strings like tying him down to earth are snipped away, like snip, snip, snip. And the only thing that's left is like a million strings tying him to this baby, this girl. So it's like, well, what if that girl doesn't want you? That means if she runs away, you're, you're attached to her. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I really didn't like it. So I, it really
0: just doesn't feel like they actually have a choice. It's kind of like, it's the idea of, because too, they're like, oh, like you can't really deny that sort of affection. It's like, if you just keep at it, they'll, you just wear them down. Like, I don't know. I just snip, didn't really snap, like snip, that. Snip, snap,
1: snip, snap, snap. You started saying snip, <laughs> snip, snip, and I was like, are we playing it? Is this now an Office podcast? Snip, snap, snip, snap. But anyway. Yeah, I want, actually want to talk about the imprinting. Because I totally agree, like, the way that Quill describes it, like, that he literally can't see other people, that he can't even, like, the idea of spending time with not her or his pack is, like, foreign to him now. Like, he can't visualize, he has not the inspiration or the... The impulse to try it it's like
0: well it's specifically with other women like it i i understand that like the sentiment it's the idea of like he would never cheat on you or something because he doesn't actually see other it's like he doesn't see the other women he's not attracted to anyone except you but it's like when the person you're talking about is like a baby like it's just like when do they grow up and then they have a choice of well i don't actually want to be with you it's like it just feels like that's not an, a, a logical real choice
1: Yeah, and I also don't like, especially because we get this exhibit of, like, the child being Claire. She's three, right? And he's, what, 16, 17? And we kind of talked about this earlier, but she's going to age, and then she's going to pass him in age. Like, we already talked about the weirdness of, like personally for me someone who's like a big brother when i'm a child would not be like someone i would think about in a romantic sense once i'm of (laughs) romantic age but that aside like she's gonna keep aging and he's gonna keep being young like i well until he can
0: no longer until he like stops the phasing then they start aging again but it could take but it could take three
1: wives as we found out (laughs) from the original
0: (laughs) That was more for them, like, they needed the wolves' protection, whereas the idea is as long as, like, vampires are around, they would need them. But eventually, like, if there were—like, if the Cullens left and stuff, like, probably a lot of them would more easily be able to, like, control themselves. And and like you're saying, if she's, she's like, two or three and he's, like, 16, he's got, like, 13 years to figure that out, I guess.
1: Yeah. I just— yeah, the imprinting. Like, I don't think of it as barbaric or gross, but I was like, well, it's definitely inferior to being a vampire. Because
0: oh, for sure, the I also women just are think completely. If yeah, if Stephanie Meyer would have put an, in an example of this person imprinted, and then like either when it was she was a child or just in general, and that woman ended up not wanting to be with this person, and it was okay. Like, there the werewolf is able to actually cut those imprinting ties.
1: Yeah, and what happens when the woman like dies? It kind of seems like they don't have a
0: choice either. What?
1: What happens when the imprinted-upon woman dies? Like, if all your strings the reality are... Then I think you would
0: be able to... Then see I think other people would be again? Able to, yeah, I mean, too... The, the whole imprinting thing is really interesting, It's a little too, underdeveloped, because, I think, I think. Well, because Jacob talks about it a little bit more later in the section of how, like, his dad, Billy, thinks that it's, like, in order to make better wolves... And then Sam thinks that it's to keep the line strong. So, like, obviously, you're, it's probably going to really just stay within their, uh, like, tribe. Like, so it's like there, there's different reasoning behind, like, who would you imprint on? But, like, Jacob imprinting on a half vampire, like, what does that mean?
1: Well, probably for strength of the clan because, well, also, practically, guess- I'm assuming Renesmee is going to have some level of immortality or she'll have access to immortality. And if Jacob just never stops phasing, they can stay young and pretty together. I mean, we have to get Esme, we have to see how old Renesmee ages up to. But, you know, at least for them, they get to stay together forever, kind of like vampires. But, yeah, I think that Stephanie Meyer could write a spin-off series on the phasing and the, vamp- and the werewolves. Just to flesh it out a little more, because it kind of does feel a little underdeveloped or underexplained. And it could very well yeah. be that, like, you know, she's not telling the wolves' stories in this. She's telling Bella and Edward's stories. So it makes sense that yeah, we get so much of the side. vampire. They're just tangential. But if she's created that world, it would be a good read because, you know, she probably does have an explanation for it that we just don't get in the book.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Well, Jacob shows up. He finds out that Bella's back. And he's like, well, I need to attack the Cullens. And the rest of the pack is like, we really don't think you need to attack the Cullens. And he's like, the treaty. And they're like, okay, the treaty is like really, really old. And Bella's kind of an anomaly because if she's transformed, she had plenty of times to learn and understand. She made a conscious choice. The Cullens have not attacked us. And, you know, Jacob's like, we have to go attack them. And his hatred and anger, like, okay, I get it. He's jealous. He wants Bella, blah, 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 blah. He knew she was going to become a vampire. Like, this was not a surprise to him. And is he going to go kill her? Like, if she's transformed and he's going to kill the Cullens because they've breached the treaty, like, is he going to kill Bella?
0: Yeah, I think this is honestly more of, like, a suicide mission for Jacob. Kind of like suicide by cops or something like that. Like, the idea of
1: mm-hmm. he just wants
0: to go down with a fight. Because he's just angry in general. Like he knew Bella was gonna become a vampire and obviously that upsets him, but he has no control over it because again, Bella doesn't belong to him in any way. But yeah, he clearly like hasn't really thought it through, which is why he kinda it's like an impulse, impulsive decision, especially he has to do it so that the other werewolves don't know, so they don't try to chase him down. But at least Jacob does say that he would as he's like thinking about it on his way there. I think he says how he would want to avoid killing Carlisle because he does seem to be extremely good as we know. And he's just like it doesn't he's like Carlisle's almost like he feels too human to him. So he's like he would avoid him. And then he also thinks about how he wouldn't really want to kill the girls because he's like even vampire girls. He's like I don't really want to fight girls except maybe Rosalie (laughs) Which, especially we get this whole Jacob and Rosalie feud throughout the section. But, yeah, he just, he's not fully thinking it through, but I see it more as, like, a suicide mission.
1: Yeah. He's just, he just hasn't grappled with, like, because eventually, even if he's going to commit suicide, like, does he really want the last thing Bella remembers of him to be him attacking her family? Whatever. Again, he hasn't thought it up. He hasn't thought about it at all. And he finds out that Bella's pregnant, and he suggests, just forcing her to give up the child. He's like, you guys could have just taken it by force. And he and Edward kind of misunderstand Bella at this moment. It's not that she wanted a kid. It's not like Bella all of a sudden was like, you know what I want. Like, we know she wanted sex. We know she wanted sex to be human. She didn't want a kid to be human. She wants her and Edward's kid. She didn't want children. She wanted one. She wants the one that she has. Like, Edward's suggestion that she could have kids with Jacob, one, was kind of disgusting and offensive. Like, it's up to Bella, whom she has children with. And she's made it very clear that she doesn't want Jacob that way. But it also kind of showed that he was missing the point. And again, we know that's because Edward is blinded by his, like, desire to protect Bella from any pain at all. But, like... It's not that Bella was like, I really, really, really want children, and this is the only way I can have them. It's like, this is Edward's child, so she loves it because of that. And so both Jacob and Edward are kind of missing the point for once. Together. They're missing it together. They're dumb together.
0: (laughs) And I don't know if you also noticed that Edward actually admits that him and Carlisle were ready to take the baby by force— But they were stopped because when they got back, Rosalie was already there to act kind of as Bella's bodyguard, and that clearly posed a problem. And then also with Rosalie kind of standing in the way, Esme was against it because obviously she doesn't want their family fighting, and she doesn't want Bella to have to give up her baby by force. And Carlisle would never go against Esme, so that's kind of like what prevented them from even attempting that. But I thought that was really interesting because I wouldn't have expected, maybe from Edward, but not from Carlisle. But I know like from, like, a medical perspective, he knows that, like...
1: This child is dangerous. Like,
0: and it's gonna prob- it's most likely going to kill Bella. Like, you know what I mean? And obviously, he loves Edward, and Edward loves Bella. And the, the, main, the main point is they want to keep Bella alive.
1: Definitely. And as I mentioned so well in my transition that no one appreciated, the <laughs> werewolves are also very much against Bella's child. And Jacob's need for Bella makes him like he asserts his kind of latent primacy because he was supposed to be the Alpha because his bloodline is better. And he defects from Sam, which was a really cool moment. He's like, I disagree so strongly. And it's it's not even like he does it kind of for his his desire to protect Bella, but he also, the reason that he's able to like separate from Sam is because of his need to protect the pack. He's like, this is not the right thing for our tribe to do or our pack to do. And that's what allows him to, like, assume the role of Alpha and separate himself. And he's going to go warn the Cullens because he's like, we don't need to kill an innocent person.
0: Yeah, and then super sweet that Seth runs to join him because, you know, he's besties with Edward and he loves the Collins. And then Leah surprisingly joins them soon after. And I actually really like Leah joining this new pack because she really, really needed to get away from Sam. So I'm kind of glad that with this she really gets her freedom back.
1: Yeah. And Jacob is really mean to Leah, even though, honestly, she's the one that probably understands him best. And he kind of realizes it later on. He does feel a little badly. And, of course, she knows that because she can hear his thoughts. But his rejection by Bella is the closest, like, it kind of is as close to Leah sort of being left behind after the imprinting that it's just a shame that Jacob is so blinded by his need to be a terrible person that he can't appreciate Leah for being, like... (laughs) Someone who could understand him.
0: Well, I think he eventually gets to that point. But, yeah, he is definitely mean to the beginning. I mean, everybody hates Leah, which is honestly just... Sexism. I always just feel really bad for her. It's really sad that, like, especially Musashi. with her being the only the only woman in... Chauvinism. Uh, yeah, it's it's really sad. But, anyway, Jacob's also a little bit kind of, like, mean to Seth in a way. And I just... This scene, I think I laughed that loud because I was just like, Jacob, you're literally ridiculous. I can confirm. And
1: She did laugh out loud.
0: Jacob falls asleep inside the house and he sleeps for like a super long time. When he wakes up, Seth is in the house with the Collins, like with Bella and he's got his arm around Bella and Jacob like gives him this death stare and he, Seth's there because Bella got cold and like, Jacob, first of all, you don't, you're not even with Bella. You don't own Bella at all. Like you literally are, whenever you get to be close to Bella is literally to serve as a personal heater. So like, why should it matter whether you do the job or Seth, especially why are you getting, why are you getting jealous of Seth? Seth's like 15 and a sweetheart.
1: And Seth isn't even interested in Bella. Like, it's not like Seth is doing this out of romantic desire to, like, change Bella's mind, which Jacob is, is. yeah. Like, he's Seth just, is doing this because he's just a nice little kid, and Jacob is such a, ugh.
0: He's super possessive, and not, and possessive, like, with, like, Bella's not even, like, in quotes, like, his. Like, you know, it would be one. And she's
1: far from available. She's pregnant.
0: And married.
1: <laughs> like, and Jacob, you were asleep. Like if you liked again, and this he is,
0: needed his sleep. This he is hadn't a great example.
1: And this is a great example of Jacob not loving Bella but desiring her to possess her. Because if he loved her, he'd be like, "Thank goodness someone is there to warm her up while I took my necessary human sleep." But instead, he's like, "If it wasn't me, it wasn't good." Like he <laughs> really can't. Like if he loved Bella, he'd be like, "Thank you so much, Seth." stepping in to what is normally my job but I needed some rest like thank you for doing that for Bella but he doesn't love Bella he desires her and so he can't like he can't see past oh god it made me so mad yeah I was Bella Asia laughed at this moment I probably threw my book across the room I was pretty mad
0: I just laughed because it's just like I said it's just so ridiculous because I think I actually like I didn't fully remember that part so when I read it I was like oh my god
1: <laughs> yeah He's just rude and cruel and vindictive, and because we kind of get his, like, perspective in part two, especially at the beginning, he's just, like, I mean, we knew he wasn't pleasant. We didn't like him before, but he's really unpleasant to read the perspective of, too.
0: Yeah, because he's just constantly, like, mad and upset, and it's, like, you're upset for it's all your own fault. Like, you're the one who caught feelings and continued to try to pine for a girl who was never available. But anyway, at least with him being around the Cullens a lot, they're kind of starting to soften him up. And Jacob even admits that Esme somehow reminds him of his mom because she's just so kind. Like, she's constantly offering them food and clothes because in order for them to, like, protect the Cullens, they literally, like, they describe themselves as, like, homeless. Like, they left La Push. Like, they're away from their traditional home and they can't go back because they're in a rival pack now.
1: And I actually copied down the line from Esme. I think it's Edward telling Jacob what Esme said. And I think maybe this is Edward's phrasing, but Edward said Esme basically says, please don't consider yourself without the benefits of a home. Like I got Goosebumps rereading that this time and I already read it. Like it was so sweet that the Cullens, they're they're so grateful. They thank the vamp the werewolves at every chance they get. And they're trying to do everything they can. He's like, I wash the clothes and I tried not to hold them so that they wouldn't smell like us. Like I get it that they're mortal enemies, but, like, the Cullens are really doing everything they can to be grateful. And Carlisle, he tells Jacob point blank, he's like, I think of Bella as my daughter already. And Jacob, like, he does respect that. He, like, he doesn't respect it enough, of course, because he's, you know, mopey little Jacob. But, like... You know, you're right that they, like, the Collins are kind of softening Jacob up. And, obviously, it's all going to change. It's like, I want to hear Prince. But, like, they, it, it, it bothered me because it just feels like the werewolves, like, hatred. I know it's, like, sort of blood deep, but it's a little irrational. That's all I'll say on that. It's just, like, it's a hair too irrational for me.
0: Well, it's even uh, how Jacob starts to kind of soften up. Like, Leah even, like, makes a comment of how, like... Even, like she talked about, she hates being here because she can see how. I mean, Seth was already kind of sold on the Collins, but even how Jacob, like, she can see in his mind, like, where the in the wolf form, how he is kind of softening towards most of the Collins, like how he likes Carlisle, he likes Esme, he even kind of starts to like Alice. Like, yeah, they have
1: like a little they have like a little sibling thing, him and Alice.
0: Like it's he's because he's recognizing them now as like people as opposed to just vampires. And it's kind of going against everything they stand for. And literally the reason behind their creation is that they're to protect people against vampires. But the Cullens are not like normal vampires. They're not trying to hurt people. They're just people that kind of Carlisle saved and gave them a second chance at life, at this new kind of life, and they're living in the best way they possibly can. So it is like it is like I do. That makes me like Jacob a little bit more, just because he becomes a little bit nicer just from being around nice people, probably.
1: But yeah, he obviously, definitely becomes more empathetic.
0: Yeah, and especially with imprinting on Renesmee, like I'm sure you can predict, like that things are only going to get better, and he's going to become a much more likable person.
1: Well, he's also by not going to be stalking end. Bella anymore. Like, a, he's not going to be fighting for Bella's hand, even though she's, as we've said, married. Yeah. Speaking of Renesmee. Bella's pregnancy is getting kind of scarier and scarier because obviously this unborn thing is like eating at her and they figure out that maybe the baby just needs to drink some blood. Makes sense. And so they're going to give Bella some, the Bella's going to drink some blood as if she was a vampire. So that the blood goes right down through her digestive system. I'm doing digestive in air quotes because I don't know vampire anatomy, but it seems to be working really, really well. Like, Renezme immediately starts, like, Bella starts to get color immediately. She's in way less pain. Yeah.
0: Yeah, which I actually remember this scene a little bit differently. Because I always saw it as when, you know, like, Edward and Jacob kind of, like, come up with this idea, basically. And, they're like, oh, she'll drink blood. And, like, Bella drinks it. And she kind of seems like she likes it. I was just assumed that she was just kind of lying about liking it. Because that's kind of in Bella's character that she would just... She lies to make everybody else feel better. She doesn't care about her own feelings. And it clearly makes the baby
1: feel better. So, like, if it's making the baby feel better, she'll lie to make the... Yeah.
0: But as reading it again, it's definitely more clear to me, and Charles and I talked about this, about it's more of, like, a pregnancy craving. Like, she doesn't have the craving necessarily on her own, but once she has it, like, she can continuously wants more and more and more not only because it's helping the baby and it makes her feel better but it's like she wants it and she seems to actually really like it which i just never saw that before which i think also could just be like especially when i read it probably for like the first time and stuff like i don't know anything about pregnancy like about pregnancy cravings so it definitely came across more like that's really cool that's what it is that it's like she is actually wanting the blood like she likes the taste whatever like she wants more and more
1: yeah, and it makes sense because, like, her hormones are changed because she's pregnant. Like, there are biological, physiological changes to your body and your preferences and your senses when you're pregnant. And, like, people often, like, a lot of vegetarians, when they're pregnant, they experience a craving for meat, even though they don't like meat or they can't even in- nor regularly ingest meat. But because, like, the baby is desiring something stronger to help, like, build, you know, it people experience those cravings. So... It does make sense that Bella, like, has, you know, like, this is actually, like, a physiological Bella is actually enjoying the blood. But it's not in, like, a cannibalistic way, of course. Thank (laughs) goodness. And also she's, it's, like, it's a tricky situation because Bella also does, like, the reason that kind of tipped me to make, like, make me realize that it was sort of a pregnancy thing is that Bella is really, really, like, nauseous around blood. And she's gotten better over the course of the series, but, like, just the smell of blood in the first book, like, a tiny little pinprick, like, almost made her pass out. Like, she has to leave the room, and she's faint. And, but she's gotten better over the course of the series, and, like, there's no way that, like, Bella, who is so sensitive to the smell, would be able to, like, drink multiple cups if she was not, like, physically able to handle it. Yeah. Like, she must, like, it's, yeah, if it still made her nauseous, like, She's Bella lies to protect other people's feelings, but, like, that would be beyond the pale. Also because Bella's a terrible liar. Like, everyone would know if she was, like, yum, yum, yummy blood. <laughs> like, I really, really like this. Like, they would know. So gross. And speaking of the blood, they have a bunch of O-negative lying around because they were expecting that during Bella's transformation, she would need some human blood to help satiate her thirst. But rather than, like, going to take it from a human, they take blood donations, which Carl has access to as a doctor. So even then, these freaking Cullens, they're so thoughtful. They're like, we know that Bella's probably going to have this knee, and if she can't be satiated by animals, like at least we're going to have some human blood, but it's going to be safe. It's not going to have been taken by force. Like The Cullens are so good at being vegetarian and kind people. And so they have O-negative lying around. Do you want to say something, Asia?
0: I was just going to say that I think that's an interesting because I think that's something I I mean I remember that they had the blood lying around but the idea of having it there for Bella when she turns to a vampire I feel like you'd have a much easier chance with sticking to their like vegetarian diet if you never taste human blood because obviously how at least how they've described it like it in no way compares like the animal blood obviously like it makes them strong and like whatever like It satiates them, but it's still never enough. So I feel like by giving her human blood, like, then she knows what it tastes like, and it's a lot harder to give up something that you know as opposed to something you don't know. So to me, like, that just never, like, made sense to me as to why they would have that. But I guess, like, it is maybe, like, just, you know, to avoid her killing people. But to me, that would make her even more, like, human blood. Now I only want human blood, but...
1: Oh, I... I completely agree. I mean, as you already know, my theory is that Bella's power when she transforms is that she'll be able to resist, like, the thirst to some level or, like, resist harming humans. But I totally think that you're right that, like, but I, I kind of read it as, like, they have the O negative there as a backup if she's, like, out of control. Like, if she can't be satiated by the, by the animal blood. Because, again, Carlisle's transformed vampires when they're on the brink of death. So, like, anything to revamp their strength will work. And, like, Rosalie even says, like, she's like, I know, she's never tasted human blood. She's like, I would probably not be able to resist. And, you know, like, I think that, I don't think they were planning on being like, here, Bella, take this when she transforms. I think they probably, like, if she's, also because they've never transformed someone who's, like, in perfect health. And, like, sort of consciously being like, yes, I want to make this transformation. So I think that maybe they were like, just in case, we don't know how this is going to go. We better have some backup lying around. But I don't think they were planning on being like, here, Bella, here's a sippy cup of blood. Like, I think it was more like if she's out of control, because Bella would probably be much stronger when she transforms than any of them them were, because they were all on the brink of death.
0: I guess guess that makes sense.
1: But Bella's probably not going to need it, because as my theory goes, she's going to be able to resist it. But we'll see next week. Mm -hmm. But they have O negative lying around, which is if you listen to this podcast, you know that I know my blood type in case I ever need a transfusion or I become a vampire. And it's O negative, which is what they have for Bella, which is the universal donor. And the reason they have to specify that is because if they had, if Bella's not, if Bella's blood type is O negative, you know, any other blood type would cause her to get blood clots and die. So really good that they don't, that they have that ready. So there's no chance of blood clotting. And yeah, so make sure basically long story short of this episode is know your blood type in case you become a vampire and you, or you get pregnant with a vampire and you need some blood lying around. You want to have that O negative universal donor and that's my type. So I can give you all my blood. Anyway, let's move it off. You like you were giving me
0: like an infomercial or something.
1: This is an infomercial for O negative blood. No, it's, I, I just happen to know my, I, this is an infomercial for knowing your blood type. So that if you need it for any reason.
0: And to throw shade at me because I still don't know mine. Okay,
1: post-COVID, I'm taking Asia to the doctor and we're just figuring out her blood type because, like, we live together. And the fact that I don't know her blood type stresses me out, honestly. Because I know that if you go to the emergency room, I'm going to be the one going with you. And, like, they're going to be, like, you're going to be, like, you know, I don't know, Bella, Asia's going to fall down the stairs. She's going to have a Bella moment. She's going to fall down the stairs. And they be like, what's her blood type? i <laughs> like, the like, I don't know. And they be like, how do you not know? You live together. i am be like, I really couldn't tell you. So um, once it's safe to go to a doctor, we're figuring out Asia's blood type. Maybe there's like a mail-in kit that we can like get mailed to our house. <laughs> little, little, fi- little finger prick so we can figure it out. Because we did that lab in bio class in high school where you test the blood types. I mean, they're fake blood, obviously. What? The lab that they do in the first Twilight book where they're testing blood types. Didn't you do that in high school where you like had like fake blood that you like We never to- did
0: that. We dissected a frog.
1: Okay, well I dissected many sheep's hearts as well in bio. <laughs> but yeah, we got they had like vials of plastic like fake blood and you pour it into like petri dishes and you like put a solution into it and depending on how it reacts, you figure out whether it's negative or positive or what or whether it's a But a, it wasn't your blood, B. so
0: you didn't even get to actually find out your own.
1: No, because I knew my own blood type, so I didn't need to take blood during a class.
0: Okay, moving on.
1: <laughs> yes, let's move on. Bella drinks the blood. She instantly feels a little bit better, and the baby's getting stronger and healthier, and Edward can hear its thoughts. So we know it's got to be developing really quickly. If the, Ed, if the baby already has, like, conscientious thoughts, like, wow, I love my mom – so so much and i love my dad's voice and it's so so nice like this baby must be like real developed like it's babies normally take nine months to be born this baby is taking a literal month that's all it takes
0: yeah and then basically boom the baby is coming boom it's out boom jacob is trying to kill it and then boom he imprints on baby Renezme yep
1: And we didn't get him saying that. We didn't say, I have now imprinted. But, like, we get the sensation, basically, as Asia mentioned. Well, because
0: we're from his point of view. Yeah, he's he's like,
1: like, everything in the world disconnected to me. And everything reconnected to this little two-minute-year-old child. And, like, thank goodness, because he was about to prounce. He was about to kill that baby. He was about to kill the baby. Because he also thinks that Bella's dead, even though, like, there's no way Bella's dead. She's just not.
0: Well, also, the last line of the section is like all he could he hear, hear was hear like noise the, upstairs. the beating of a changing heart.
1: Yeah. So, thank goodness. Bella is being transformed right now. And Edward, like, again, Edward and all his preparedness, he has like vials of his venom to like seal her wounds. Like, he's ready. Also, because he had to like eat the baby out. Like, he had to like, oh, that was pretty gross. But like, he needed vampire teeth to like separate the protective casing. Anyway, that was the. Description of the birth was pretty gross,
0: but... Just wait till we watch the movie.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's not going to freak me out as much. Like, it's the reading it that's gross. Like, the watching, I just look away. Or I'll watch it and I'll be like, that's fine. Actually, I'll probably look away just because that sort of stuff. Like, I don't have a problem with blood. It's just like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot of blood and a
0: lot of screaming. That's what Jacob... Like, it's a lot of blood and screaming and... Well, I'm not looking forward to the
1: screaming. I'm very sensitive to noise and I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like the screaming. That actually wraps up our episode, though. We have Jacob imprinting, and obviously it's going to show a complete change in his character because maybe he's not going to be quite as annoying about Bella now that he can't see her. He's <laughs> going to see Bella. He's going to be like, I don't see this person there. And she'll be like, Jake, my Jake, my bestest friend. He's like, I don't know who you are. Did, that, did anyone hear a voice? I only hear this two, year, two day old. And we have to find out, like, what Renesmee's, like, biological composition is. Like, what she is she full vampire? Or is she half? Is she able to be transformed? Does she need to be transformed? Does it matter? What does she eat? I mean, we know she eats blood. But, like, you know.
0: Well, really quick, did you notice, because like, Carlisle kind of talks about that, how he wants to know, like, the amount of, number of chromosomes they have, like, in the DNA? Because he's saying how vampires have 25, and then
1: Pella, Humans Jacob have 23— and Renesmee yeah. probably has 24, like Jacob. The Wolves have 24. They have an Four. average, which makes so them So it's kind of like, like they're similar,
0: which is interesting that like now he's imprinting on her and you know, you're know you assuming they're going to end up together, that they're kind of the same DNA. So almost like made for each other.
1: Yeah. And like like she literally has an average number of chromosomes between Edward and Bella. So it makes sense, like mathematically. But yeah, we'll see how their relationship also like depending on like how alive quote-unquote Renezme is like is she able to have children because like obviously the vampires are alive but like they don't have like a functioning like body like they can't they can't conceive of children and but yeah we'll see we'll basically have to see anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up asia
0: yeah i wanted to talk about how Leah kind of defends Rosalie a little bit to Jacob. And Jacob, of course, gets pissed at first. And she's like, let me explain, let me explain. And I think she's kind of right that she talks about how if I was in Bella's position, like any woman who didn't have the ability to have a baby and wanted one would kind of do the same thing that Rosalie's doing. And if you were in Bella's position, like you would want somebody to protect your baby. So I feel like that's something like... Obviously, it's a desperate position, and it's unfortunate that, like, it seems like Rosalie, like, doesn't care about Bella's life, but it's kind of like, if anyone was that desperate, like, you would do that. Like, I, for me, I know this whole, like, pregnancy thing. For me, personally, the amount of pain that Bella has to go through this, it would be a no for me. I would be like, take this out of me, and let's, I'll just become a vampire, but for somebody who wants a child, I could totally see, I can totally see Bella's perspective. I see why she wants to keep her child, and... I can see why wanting you know that Rosalie, who wants a child, is someone who can protect you, and then I see Rosalie's perspective of like wanting to protect this child's life, like so. I totally see that, and I think that's something that kind of maybe the other, like maybe the men don't understand, but I think that that's a totally valid point. And I like that Leah kind of validates that.
1: Yeah, because Leah's like, if I was in Rosalie's position, I would do the same thing. Like if I was close to Bella or close enough to Bella and Bella asked me for help, I would do that too because she's like, I probably can't have kids. Yeah. Like she, as she talks about sort of like being a genetic dead end, which is like really, really tragic the way she, but because they don't know, they have no way of knowing. Maybe we'll get an answer. Maybe that'll be Stephanie Meyer's spinoff series. Like can Leah imprint on a man or imprint on a woman? Or can she like, can she have children? Like we don't know because we don't know. Like, we know that the vampire—the wolves are really hot, and they, like, their body, like, they must be—their heart rate must be all wonky. So, like, can she biologically sustain a child? We don't know.
0: Well, I'm assuming no, because based on how they describe it, like, she does not—she no longer has a period. Because she says that when she finds out she was a werewolf, she thought she was pregnant, which was, like, they were like, was it, like, an immaculate conception? Because she's like, I haven't been anyone with anyone since Sam— so it Yeah, was she like, stops
1: having a period, so, so she like, probably physically can't have a child.
0: But, like, I think maybe Jacob says it, like, that obviously once she stops phasing, I would assume that her body would go back to normal. So, she, because, like she said, she's stuck at, like, 20 years old or something. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, whenever she stops phasing, I think that she would probably get her period back and then become fertile again, I guess. But while she's in this, because, too, like, how they describe it, they're kind of frozen in time while they're in this werewolf phasing. So it's like, if they stop, they can go back to aging and like be human again. So, so I think her for eggs her, are probably it's frozen
1: that, and protected.
0: Yeah. It's not that she's infertile. It's just that she can't have kids in this moment.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I totally like that. Leah kind of for once has a bit of empathy with a vampire and anything to make Jacob be less of a terrible person. I'll take.
0: Yes, exactly. But that's the end then, and we will be finishing the series for next week, which is super exciting. But we'll be wrapping up Breaking Dawn, so if you're reading along with us, just finish the book. And normally we'd be moving right on to the next series after that, but there's actually one more complete novel in the series that just recently came out within the past year called Midnight Sun. And Midnight Sun is the first book of Twilight just told from Edward's perspective. So we're going to spend just one week kind of going over that, and then we'll move on to our next series. And after we finish that, the week after. So next week, we're finishing Breaking Dawn. Then the week after that, we'll cover Midnight Sun. And then the week after that, we are starting our next series that we can announce right now, which is going to be His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman.
1: Yeah, it's my turn again to share a series with Asia. And we're going to read His Dark Materials, which is often referred to as the Golden Compass series. The first book is called The Golden Compass. And you might know it because there was a very terrible movie made about a decade ago really, really bad. It was so bad they couldn't make the rest of them into movies. But HBO and BBC, I believe, have been producing a TV show, which has been really excellent. So they've covered the first two books, each one in a season, because it makes sense to make good long books into TV seasons. Makes way more sense than trying to compress a whole book into a movie, but whatever. Anyway, the, the show is really excellent as well. The movie is not. But We're going to read the books, of course, and so we'll cover that after this. So two more weeks of Stephanie Meyer's world, and then we'll move on to The Golden Compass. If you have any predictions, theories, questions, remember you can always stay in touch with us regarding really anything on the Nerd Party website. This is your last chance to message me and say, wow, Charles, your theory about Bella being immune to the thirst, so good. Like, now's your chance, because I'm going to read it. And... Just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact, select throwback paperback. You can send us an email right there. You can also get in touch with the network in general on Twitter at join nerdparty, on Instagram at the nerdparty, or on facebook.com nerdparty. To find me directly, I'm at CE Sheeland on both Twitter and Instagram.
0: And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and at Asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week.
1: Yep. Hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We'll see you next week.